Welcome to the 12 Days of Edition Wars, featuring 2nd Edition AD&D players and DMs options books. In this series, we are taking a close look at the special books that are often considered D&D 2.5. On the second day of Edition Wars, my DM gave to me Skills and Powers Part 2. With me today is the other turtle dove, Sam Dillon. Hello. So, what are we talking about today? So today we're talking, we're starting with character classes, and we're going to see how far this conversation takes us. Nice. Uh, so, this is where the the difference of uh, the, the player's option series really takes off. I mean, things were pretty different from from basic second ed in in last episode, but uh, we are we are in unexplored territory here, um, and we're also having some strange conversations about how different what the classes give you really are. Um, and, and it's fascinating what they see as fundamental, fundamental to a class by its very name and what they see as fungible and something they can sell you for points. You see what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, um, you don't, because like a fighter, you don't pay points for your D10 hit die. You just get that. And, and everyone right. just gets their hit die. But you can pay points to kick that up to a D12 hit die. Um, it's just going to be most of your points. Uh, <laughs> and you don't pay points for your Thaco progression, which is a huge part of why you'd play a fighter in the first place. Right. Uh, but you do pay points for um, the ability to specialize in a weapon. Um, you don't pay points for the rate at which you gain weapon proficiency slots, which is going to have so much to do with whether being able to specialize in a weapon even matters to you. Right. It's a fighter. So, if, so you have tons of weapon proficiency slots, you are spewing them out of every orifice and trying to figure out something you care enough to <laughs> spend them on because, I mean, guys, you specialize in longsword. You can also use a bow and a lance. What else did you want? <laughs> like, that's that's the problem with right. just weapon proficiencies. There's mm-hmm. just not enough need uh, for a variety of weapons. But I digress. Uh, <laughs> It is interesting what they ask the fighter to pay for, though. For sure. Um, and th- they're going to treat everyone as um, you know, potentially um, dumping their their followers that they would gain automatically at ninth or 10th level, depending on class, mm-hmm. if their class does get that. Um, or you can pay extra to... Uh, attract followers earlier. Right. I mean, heaven help you if you buy that feature and haven't had the talk with your DM about what kind of campaign this is going to be. <laughs> I, I would hope that uh, anybody who even thought about purchasing that with uh, with 10 of their measly 15 starting points would be uh, considering uh, talking to their DM. But on the other hand, 1995 was a different time. It, it really was. I, I feel like an 
100% promise you that those conversations were not happening at even a significant uh, you know, plurality of tables mm-hmm. uh, that were using games of this book. I'd right. love to be wrong. I, I would love to be <laughs> wrong, but I don't think I am. Yeah. Um, and so I just see someone buying this and then discovering, oh, we're going to Undermountain. That's the whole campaign. Cool. <laughs> All right. Right. Feeling feeling real good. Yeah. Uh, when you look at the other classes, you see similar things. You know, you you do get a sort of bird's eye view, as it were, into what they consider uh, things that make that class that class versus what they want you to pay for. Yeah, for sure. It's very interesting. You know, the the ranger, the the ranger, of course, uh, can cast spells. Um, right. And you can uh, get a better attack bonus if you purchase a bow bonus. You sure. you can climb trees, cliffs, and other natural formations if you spend a bunch of points on it. You can have empathy with animals if you spend a bunch of points on it. And then here's uh, one I love. Find and remove wilderness traps. That costs 10 points. <laughs> Man. Of course – the ranger gets a ton more points than the fighter got to start with. Yeah. Well, they have more features. Yeah. The final fighter only got 15 and the ranger gets 60, four times as many, but still spending 10 points on using a bow <laughs> and, you know, being able to set a wilderness trap. That's, that's a lot of points. Yep. It, you it know, sure is. And there's, you know, 12 or 15 more options, you know, tracking and two weapon fighting and, you know, pass without trace and having a, a designated enemies. They call it a special enemy, you know? Well, and that's, that's one of the interesting things about even offering a point by system because uh, 10 points doesn't mean 10 points class to class. Like, right. it's, it's so rescaled by the number of mm-hmm. points you receive in the first place that right. the fact that um, weapon specialization costs uh, either five or ten points in in most of these classes like well if you receive more than twice as many uh, points like so the fighter receives 15 the ranger receives 60 well it costs the ranger twice as many points to buy weapon specialization but who bloody cares right he got four times as many points Right. right and then and then he's got all of these things he could purchase, and later on, when he earns more character points, he can purchase more stuff. It, it, yeah, well, you know, whereas the the fighter, what does the fighter have? I mean, coming back to buy the defense bonus isn't anybody's bad idea. Yeah, but that I'm just saying, you know, the 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 range of options available for, a, for example, the ranger is just so huge yeah. compared to what the fighter has as an option. You know, yeah, for sure. You know, I I think that in all the time we played with this system, we never played it so that you could come back to your race or class and buy more features as you leveled. Really, I it, hmm. it, it occurred to me literally today during this conversation that <laughs> we might have been doing it wrong all those years ago. Back yeah. before the dawn of Sigourney Weaver. 
<laughs> so long ago. Not before Scurney Weaver in any sense. That's a that's a joke. Sorry guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, um but you know, then you look at a cleric, a cleric also has a ton of abilities that they could purchase. Maybe I'm getting it wrong. Can you actually go back and purchase these? I, I, I don't know. I don't recall it saying that you could, but I mean in the in the character point section, right in chapter one, it says let me read the section. It says um Every character begins play with the number of character points determined by the race and class. Further, every time a character advances a level, he gains three to five character points. Right. Character like, point system is a new concept. Uh, that's a far more um, interesting outcome, right? But then why would you do some of these things the way that they're done if, like, if buying a feature means that you get it once your fifth level? then why would you buy that with your starting 60 points or whatever? You know what I mean? Like why buy followers at five points yeah. at the start of play? If you can come back you know, sometime between first and ninth and pay your right. five character points for it. Right. So uh, it's written somewhere here, one way or the other, but I, I will be damned if I can find it on a timeline. Yeah. So, and then it, it it actually enumerates out the the number, uh, or what you can spend your character points on, uh, weapon proficiencies, um, non weapon proficiencies, increasing proficiency scores. Sure. Yeah. Um, racial acquiring racial abilities for demi humans, acquiring class abilities. Priests and wizards can gain extra spells. Uh, Im- improving their the role for additional hit points. They can also be used in the course of play, not just during character creation or between adventures. During a game session, a player can spend save points to give his character a second chance to accomplish a feat. Never do this. Or to re-roll a failed attack. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Hey, I, I we, mean, we played it wrong. That's cool. I weird (laughs) well i mean it it is option it's the option right so i guess you don't you know you just build your character with it and then you play the game Uh, let's say that (laughs) if that option is turned on it changes the system substantially yeah i do agree with you that why would you why would you bother to buy five why would you spend five initial of of your character points five of your initial character points buying yeah well, what's funny is, too, in the Warriors – so here's where – okay, we're going to resort to reading the book. It says, uh, using the player's option system, all members of the Warrior group have the ability to select any weapon and wear any type of armor, roll D10s to determine their hit points from 1st to ninth level, can attract followers at ninth level. Wait. Are prevented from using certain magical items, can uh, become oh, proficient. Oh. Right, so it says uh, – Actually, that's, it, that's not in my printing. That That is – that's corrected in the printing that's in front of me right now. Are you so, serious? To, to read you mine, have the ability to select any weapon, huh. wear any type of armor available in the campaign, roll D10s, yada, 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 are prevented from using certain magical items, can become proficient in mm-hmm. shield, but there's there's yep. no yeah, that's the next reference one. in that bullet point list to when they would gain followers. That's not a thing. Well, let me tell you, I just downloaded this today huh. from... Huh. To drive through RPG. How about that? Yeah, I have a hard copy in front of me because 
Uh, of course I do. Yeah, I had the hard copies, and I got rid of them a long time ago. Well, you are smarter than I, because I have <laughs> moved these books with me through many adventures, my friend. Many adventures. <laughs> oh, trust me. my Mine, mine went to multiple uh, abodes that I inhabited, <laughs> and then I finally got rid oh of them. Oh, my God. Um, that is extremely interesting. So that so that's there's an errata issue there, but still the question remains: Why would you? Let's assume that your printing is correct, and there it doesn't actually say that, but it still asks you to spend five points on followers by purchasing right. this skill. A fighter can gain followers as described in the handbook if they re- build a stronghold in our ninth level. Well, why would you? I mean. I could see why you would spend the extra 10 to get followers earlier than ninth level. That's the whole point of spending 10. Why spend five until you're level nine? Yeah. Well, and I mean, Lord, some of the abilities in this are just, boy, that's a cool ability. Maybe. Um, yeah. Like supervisor, the authority to supervise the construction of defensive works, such as ditches, Uh, pits, fields of stakes, and hastily built wooden and stone barricades. With time permitting, the fighter can also supervise the building of a semi-permanent fortification. Sure. I mean, building and uh, and leadership and um, supervisor and war machines, those are all super interesting, but also... Man, what a corner case thing. And I say this as someone who bought all of the points in Siegecraft that I was allowed to for years over two separate nights in a playthrough of um, the Pendragon Great Campaign. Like, that was one of my (laughs) roles in the party uh, in over two generations was to be the Siegecraft guy. But, oh man. Yeah, I just I I don't know. So some so in other words, some of these choices. So we can move on away <laughs> from the fighter if we want to. But um, some of these choices are just they don't really. You know, here's the long and short of it. Right? Here's the long and short of it. The long and short of it is, the fighter just doesn't have a lot of media abilities for them to be able to fits and yeah. fuddle with. And so unfortunately, though, what happens is it's presented as the first class option. Because it's the simplest, but you can't make a complex system that provides choice to every class if you're not also going to give a lot of interesting choices to the fighter. Because I don't find... I mean, they do offer some new interesting things. Magic resistance is pretty That is kind of cool. But I don't know. I just... It's overpowered. I'm not going to say it's not overpowered. Um, But so the other thing when you say about this is the optional restrictions. Mm -hmm. Like... uh, they're very much engaging with the, you know, pick flaws to get additional character points to buy mm-hmm. more crap. Well, so limited armor, limited weapon selection, uh, limited magical item use, those are fine. They're, they're very, very, very 90s design. Uh, I mean, if you didn't go much outside of D&D design, this is the book where you learned that that is not a good idea. <laughs> yeah those are the same optional restrictions that the um ranger and paladin are provided as well yeah um i mean limited weapon selection is especially egregious because there's so little pressure in D to uh change your weapon model uh, yeah yeah you 
especially in a game that already has specialization. Yes, I want to buy both specialization and limited weapon use. You think? <laughs> like, yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, if I find a magic weapon that isn't the one isn't of the same type I'm already using, and and or one I haven't already spent you know weapon proficiency slots on, it's not treasure to me. Mm-hmm. It's it's trade bait. Or, right. or head for the scrap heap because what would I do with it? I'm not even proficient. Like maybe I could learn to become proficient or I could not do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is though, but so, so you get five points for, for limiting your, your weapon choice, but what uh, the heck are you going to spend it on? I mean, uh, that's, that's the thing with the fighter, uh, right? War machine, Sam. Uh, come on, we just went over this. Uh, <laughs> okay, you would spend it on supervisor and war machine, but you're right. You I know. would. <laughs> well, in, in fairness, poison resistance and spell resistance aren't bad. They, they aren't bad. Yeah, I they're, suppose there's there there's enough fodder here for maybe four levels worth of play. In terms of if you got three to five character points every level, you yeah. could spend all those points in three or four levels. And then if you're a fighter, you're basically going to run out of interesting things to buy. Uh, yeah. Like, um, not not so much paladin or ranger, but... Yeah, for sure. You know. But, I mean, you just aren't going to start by buying the things that don't do anything at first level. It's so weird. Right. Anyway. Sure. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the thief. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The, the classes all have this general mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, the the thief um, or classes within the rogue family. Um, it's, it's interesting because here we see them um, grab up some uh, some additional skills that uh, I don't know where they first got rolled out, um, but I know that they show up here, and I think they also show up in um, the uh, Dark Sun Dragon King's mm. supplement. Um, and, uh, one of the other interesting things about skills and powers is that, uh, all of Dark Sun got re-released, uh, oh, right. Adapted yeah, to skills they had and powers. Because the, the, this, um, this book has psionics in it. Yeah, but it's Dark Sun without Brahms mm. art. So. Yeah, so what? it's not Dark Sun. <laughs> It's it's like yeah. it's not like it's straight up not it's it's like releasing uh, uh, Planescape without even a single piece yeah. by Dieter Lisi. So what? No, yeah, don't do that. No, um, like I've I've got it here on the shelf with me, and it's just it's just a strange <laughs> choice. I a- adding in um. Detect magic, detect illusion, uh, bribe, tunneling, and escape bonds. I think the tunneling is is, is especially funny. <laughs> uh, look, um, well, because here's the here's the rationale for it: a thief might need to dig a tunnel to get to a cache of riches. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I tell you what, uh, I I see that and. Just makes me think of um, the Great Escape. I, I'm, I'm hearing 
you know, Steve McQueen bounced a ball off a wall. Right. And uh, the, the, the tunnel rats down there digging. Well, and so. And they, Rogue getting uh, mowed down by machine gun fire by the Nazis, I guess. I guess. <laughs> well, here's the that, thing. There's a, tab- a, t- a tunneling table. And yeah. it tells you there's a modifier based on the type of earth that you're tunneling through. <laughs> sure. Sure there is. What, I just what, love what, it. Oh, <laughs> it's just it, – it, it's it, – this is – I really am – I'm laughing because I do actually love this. I think this is the exact awesome quirkiness that second edition brought that made me like it. Right. Like this is who cares tunneling, but it's uh, like just this random like, here you go. Oh, and by the way, here's the modifiers based on the type of earth and the types of earth are sand or loose earth. Right. That's one category. Then packed earth, then rock. They're tunneling through rock. It takes a lot longer (laughs) to tunnel through rock. (laughs) Well, 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 that's not the interesting thing. The interesting thing is the implication that other characters can't well of course they can't no one knows how to use a a shovel and a pickaxe right that's not something anyone can no not even a dwarf (laughs) ultimately that's the problem with any form of introducing new mechanics you are sort of responsible for whether you're saying that someone without this thing just can't do it um and is in, incapable of doing it. That. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it crazy how they never seem to think that any other character classes needed their own uh, mole man rules. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's, that, that's a heck of a choice. That's a heck of a choice. I do like uh, that they added a bribe to the, to the base skills. Yeah, uh, the thieves as well, though. <laughs> because because <laughs> being a good rogue is what makes someone susceptible to a bribe, and not <laughs> right yes. the amount of money you offer. Yeah, I don't know. Well, and here's this: uh, uh, you can bribe a thief can bribe an official with gifts of money or merchandise. Only one bribe can be attempted per target. If the sure. attempt fails, the DM should make a reaction roll for the target to determine how they counter the bribe. <laughs> Okay. Sure. I don't even know. I love it. I don't even know. I love it. What else? Um, well, well. so the really interesting stuff, the super interesting stuff, is once we hit up the spellcasters. Yeah. Um, yep. So, so clerics get this giant pool of points, 125 character points. Suck it, fighters. <laughs> Suck it. It's because worth noting to... it's worth noting that bards only get seventy. Sure. Uh like clerics have to buy every sphere access yeah. uh minor or major individually. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're making every single choice of what kind of cleric you're gonna be individually. Right. And I think that's gotta be a big part of why we thought you couldn't buy more uh class features later mm. on mm-hmm. because like it's it's selling you a baseline cleric for your points right. surely you're stuck with with that or a trade-off of it a- anyway um so each fear is priced you know 
idiosyncratically at either <laughs> three for minor and five for major or five for minor and 10 for major. Right. And this just is a massive table of points. And, um, and then there's all these other uh, interesting, wonderful abilities that you're going to wish you had. <laughs> um, expert healer for some extra cure light wounds. Uh, sounds good to me. Uh, Re- warrior resist priest energy drain is resist energy drain. <laughs> always yes. a winner. Um, you know, warrior priests to let you um, use warrior style strength and con modifiers rather than priest style. Of course, by this point, you know whether or not that will do you any good because right. you've already rolled for ability <laughs> scores. That, that's uh, so bad. You can also uh, get wizardly priest and learn a school yes. of wizard spells, which is amazeballs. I, I, I do know for sure that at least one of my players bought that and ran with yeah. it. Now, what I want to say about this as we are digging into it is that uh, not only is this incredibly finicky, it's also not the last time we're going to see this in this series because we're going to get to uh, spells and magic um, sometime much later mm-hmm. this week. And uh, it's going to revamp the whole thing again with far more detail. Right. It's going to get, it's going to get way drilled down and that's, it's lovely. It's fascinating. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I, I, am so I'm so mind blown by just what they were trying to accomplish for the edition here, and the space they were trying to explore. Uh, I mean, some of my favorite stuff in every edition is when they have said all the default things they came to say, and then they just have to go somewhere. And so it starts getting weird. <laughs> yeah. I the mean, question, uh, Unearthed Arcana in third edition, the yeah. third edition Unearthed Arcana is one of my favorite books in the whole edition. And I'm still heartbroken that I lost. my <laughs> I guess the question is how much w- was this play tested? If at all. That that's a fascinating question. I bet there's a credits page somewhere that will give us some yeah. kind of clue. Well, there are no playtesters credited mm-hmm. in the front page credits. Not that that's especially surprising. Um, I mean, a lot of the names in the credits here are uh, still big names in mm-hmm. gaming. Uh, uh, thanks to Wolf Bauer. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, that guy's going to do okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're predicting the future. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very yeah. good at that. Uh, 24 years after the fact. <laughs> um, and, and then you get into specialist wizards um, and, and hear things, again, really drill down into uh, into detail and like making sure you buy exactly the thing you want and nothing mm-hmm. else. But also... Uh, in addition to the the core eight specializations, uh, you can also specialize in uh, geometry, alchemy, uh, shadow, and song. Right. Uh, and those all have their own intrinsic opposition schools. Uh, so that's that's interesting stuff. And then those, uh, and I'm glad that they experimented with that in that space, yeah. even if 
none of my players gave it a second look. I mean, those and those actual new schools are also in this book. They're also described in this book. So it's not as though they just sort of throw those things out here and then expect you to sort of make it up. Those are actually described in this book, just in a much later chapter. Yeah. <laughs> it's also worth noting there is a uh, racial and attribute score requirement for learning um, certain schools of magic. Yeah, and, and that is uh, carried over from the, the second edition. Right? Typical, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting how they're trying to use that to tell the story it's, of I, each specialization. Uh, I guess for me, I thought it, w- it might be more interesting to say, okay, well, we're going to get rid of that requirement but we can actually make it now cost you more. Sure. If you want to, if you're if you're not a human and you want to learn abjuration I, magic, I just right. I'm still stunned that the school of song requires intelligence rather than charisma. <laughs> I I would not have done that. Well, you know, I, it's <laughs> choices. Yeah. I think this is the end of another of another episode. Do you have any final thoughts? Yeah. So. I think that in a lot of ways, this shows a necessary step in the whole understanding of classes and class features and the packaging those for players to receive. Um, I think that this was going to have to happen at some point in the last band of D and D. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially by chance that it happened in 1995 and not earlier or later. Um, I think that um, you can certainly still find people who try to uh, break things down into point-by systems. Um, During the D20 um, OGL, uh, the third edition D20 OGL, Mm -hmm. uh, I got hired to write a, uh, a race creation cookbook for uh, Louis Porter Jr. And it operated in a lot of the same principles as a lot of the material here, just trying to support ever more outlandish races and race concepts. Um, And so uh, a lot of the, a lot of the format of point by here is still, I think, intriguing to people, but Mm -hmm. uh, I think that if you really look at how this book got used at the table and how people used it to hyper-customize while creating weaknesses they knew they wouldn't have to engage with or suffer from, I think you start to see uh, fundamental problems with that idea, Not, not insoluble problems with that whole design approach, but but fundamental ones that you have to grapple with if you want to create point by classes. I think that's fair. I, I think I can I can get on board with that. I, I feel like you know it, it's somewhat something. It's 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 sort of uh, an experiment, right? I mean, yeah. It, it, it's it's definitely a response to the time. And it's an experiment into how can we show players 
that there are, you know, more than there's more than one way to sort of conceive of classes, even if we use the same names, right? Even if we use the same kind of character groups, even if we throw out the same old races that we've been using in fantasy gaming since, you know, the late seventies, um, we can still conceive of these things a bit differently than, than previously. And I think that's a, that's, that's a, that's a valid, I think that's a valid way to, to go about it. I don't know. I, I don't actually remember how successful or unsuccessful this book was because I don't, I I didn't care about such things back then. I just bought the books and I used what I wanted and didn't use what I didn't want. And I wasn't really paying attention to the industry per se. Um, but I know it wasn't the uh, the, the the biggest bestseller uh, maybe that they thought it might be. Um, I think they I think maybe at, at on some level they thought it, it it might be the answer to you know people who were looking outside of D and D and starting to see that there's other things out there you know that do different that that do characters differently or that create certain types of classes or characterizations differently. And hey, look, this is this is our attempt to show you that D and D can do some of that stuff too. Yeah. Um, I don't know how successful it was. But I, at the same time, I, I I don't think that successful versus unsuccessful is a dichotomy that actually fits. I think it's a continuum that has some branches off of yeah. it. You know what I mean? Because I think these three, these these three or four, depending if you consider the DM's option book in there, but these this set of books actually did do something to the game even if we say well this one wasn't as successful maybe as they wanted and so there's not a lot of people that played with this to any great extent they ended up reverting back to the regular kits from the complete handbooks and all that stuff but this set of books still did have an impact on the game in the way it's played. i would agree with that um like you i don't know uh how much real uptake this had um i think that Honestly, beyond uh, copies sold off of the shelves, even TSR has no idea uh, what real uptake of the ideas in these books look like. How how would you find that out? Mm-hmm. There there was no yeah 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 there, I don't there was think no there's a way yeah possibility of broad yeah. polling uh, right. in 1995 or. 96 or, or really any time around there. You know, at, yeah. All they had was, was sales numbers, right? And not even that, maybe distribution numbers. They know how many they had printed and how many they sent to distribution. At right? best, sometime around uh, 99 or 2000, they could have pulled the subset of people who came to the uh, TSR Watsi uh, websites and mm-hmm. consider that to be a representative sample, but as you uh, undoubtedly know, no, that's that's super fans. That's not right. That's a very self-selected group, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's the kind of thing that can never be known. Uh, just as it's incredibly hard to even get a sense for how many people have played Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You could you might as well ask Gallup. To right. conduct right. a poll yep. and then extrapolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, I think that's a great note to end this episode on. <laughs> as weird as that seems, I think that uh, that that's that's yeah. a fair that's a fair uh, note to end on because it's going to be a great segue to tomorrow's episode where we discuss the kits in this book. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, oh, for boy. listening. I am I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. Look, mate. Three generations ago, my ancestors forged the Great Blade Skull Splitter. With it, they won the Goblin Wars, the Hobgoblin Wars, the Orc Wars, the Demon Wars, the Elf Wars, and the Gelatinous Cube Wars. And that one doesn't even make sense, because they don't have skulls. Now, all these years later, the legend of the Great Skull Splitter grows. Offering dice to help you create your own legends, Skull Splitter Dice makes the highest quality dice beautiful dice of both plastic and metal. Want to roll bones that look like bones? Or just something with enough heft to split the skulls of your enemies? Skull Splitter Dice has that and more. Check them out now at SkullSplitterDice.com slash Tomeshow and use the coupon code Tomeshow with all little letters and get 15% off. Now get out there, split some skulls, and build some legends. <laughs>